Hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of a Win is a Win podcast. I'm your host, Edgar Shepu. That early timeout. Curry kicks it out green. Wide open. And finally gets it to go. He missed all 12 of his three-point attempts. Williams sets a little bit of a brush screen. Four assists for Tatum. Porter tries a three to answer and does. Adol Porter with his first points of the night. Clay Thompson. Curry sidestep three-pointer. It's good. Steph Curry from downtown. And that'll do it. It's over. The Golden State Warriors return to a familiar place. They're on top of the NBA world. The fourth title in eight years. The Dubs dynasty is still very much alive. And with last night's match, Game 6 of the NBA Finals, the 2021-2022 NBA campaign is in the books. The Golden State Warriors emerge victorious, 103-90. So the Golden State Warriors win the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Boston finishes second. And Golden State wins their fourth championship in an eight-year span, a span that began in 2015. Six finals appearances, four wins, and uh, yeah, I mean, even in the four years where they didn't win it, they still got to the finals twice. So, I mean, I don't know who who this morning, on this delightful Friday morning, doesn't want to argue that the uh, Golden State Warriors have concocted themselves a little dynasty here but i think it's pretty obvious at this point congratulations to the warriors they were last night emphatically the superior team i genuinely do not think that is up for debate that second quarter the second quarter basically finished off the game uh you i got the sense that it, a warriors team with that kind of experience with that kind of flow with that kind of doggedness on defense and that kind of a flow on offense and obviously that type of a veteran leadership was going to get the better of the Boston Celtics and and Boston would not have what it takes to to climb their way back into the game. I, I think they won the third quarter by a few points, but I mean it, it wasn't enough and when Golden State got on that run in the second quarter, I didn't see anything from Boston that suggested they were going to turn that. They were going to right the ship, and uh, there would be uh, there would be a game seven on Sunday night. I, I never felt it, and it didn't happen. I also feel that last night we want to talk about the winners. I felt that last night was a very clear-cut example of within a 48-minute span, 48 minutes being the duration of a basketball game in the NBA, was a perfect example of quite literally everything Golden State can do. Steph Curry can have these stretches where he goes off, He'll throw bombs from far away. There was one, I think he tossed it over uh, Grant Williams in the fourth quarter. I mean, at that point, they were up by double digits anyways. Might have been a 9 or 10 point game, and Steph Curry 
drains a, a three from way out, and I mean, you knew it was over at that point. If 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 there was any lingering doubt in one's mind, it was over by that point. I think that was fourth quarter. Um, Clay didn't have a great night. You could make the case that he was probably the warrior that had the worst game, but he was running about. He was a facilitator. Knocked some important uh, important baskets. Jordan Poole was back to his old ways. Remember, Jordan Poole had kind of disappeared a little bit in, in the second and third rounds, and even early in this finals. Uh, a lot of that had to do with Steph Curry getting healthy again, but Jordan Poole was really effective. His drives to the basket were very, very efficient last night. Uh, Gary Payton the second uh, was a beast on defense. Andrew Wiggins was also a beast on defense. Andrew Wiggins... Uh, spent a lot of time last night on Jalen Brown, uh, and and even though Jalen Brown was the best Boston Celtic, Wiggins still came up really big in some key moments. Draymond Green, obviously what else can be said about Draymond Green? He is the bulldog of that team, hit a few shots himself. The flow and the movement, and this was the big difference between Boston and, and, and Golden State, is that there's a flow to Golden State. They move the ball around. They're running all over the place. They make their own shots as easy as possible. That's not to suggest that every one of their shots are easy. Of course not. You still have to figure out an opponent's defense, but I felt last night was an encapsulation within a single contest of everything the Warriors are good at. They have a great starters, when they do their thing, their offense is is, is lit, as the kids would say. Uh, they drain threes. Steph Curry is great with the floater with the floater um, layups. They're dogging on defense. They cause turnovers. Their transition points are are quick and efficient, and they know how to put their foot on an opponent's throat they they don't let an opponent get back in the game and and all of that and they have stretchers they completely blow you out of the water uh, normally it's in the third quarter that's sort of what they've been known for this year and especially during this playoff run last year just happened to be in the second quarter but nevertheless nevertheless uh it was whether it happened in the third quarter or the second quarter i still felt last night encapsulated Everything they can do, they're well coached. Whoever put they, whoever they 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 decide is going to be their starting five on a given night. It's a really good team, and their bench has depth. They have good role players. They're just they are essentially the perfect team to go on deep playoff runs. If if you if you're gonna build a team. Uh, this would be it, and lo and behold, it's their fourth championship in in eight seasons, and they came close to other times. You know, the NBA is a lot like soccer when it comes to individual awards, insofar as it feels like in the NBA, the individual awards are extremely important. You know, it's very, very important for a particular player for their career, for their pride, to shut down naysayers, whatever the case may be. But it's very important that they get the individual award. And I'm not saying it's, it 
it's not important in football or or hockey or basketball it's it's important in in all of the professional sports in all of the professional leagues but but i get the same vibe from the nba as i do from soccer especially le le ballon d'or that's like the big one people obsess over it and they're they feel vindicated when player x wins and they're they they, they cry foul uh, when player y doesn't win and so on and so forth and i feel the same thing happens a little bit with with the nba I just happen to be one of those sports fans and those sports co- sports podcasters that doesn't care too much about them. It's interesting. It's nice to know who does win these things. But I tell myself more often than not, you know, they probably got it right. And I'm sure the voters had their reason. Do I think Steph Curry needed a finals MVP to solidify some sort of element that was missing in his career. Uh, if, if someone else had played just a little bit better than Stephen Curry during these finals against Boston do, and, and had earned their, their right to the MVP award, the finals MVP award, that is to say, would I have been under the impression that Steph Curry, well, yeah, he's really good, but no. No, he was terrific in 2015. Uh, he was really good for most of 2016. You know, for the naysayers in their defense, uh, he he did kind of screw up game six and seven. That's true. 2017, 2018. I, I get it. Kevin Durant was Finals MVP, deservedly so. By the way, Kevin Durant was the best player in those finals. Make no mistake about it. But it's not as though Steph was a phrase I'm I'm hearing a lot. I feel I feel Charles Bar- Charles Barkley on TNT during this playoff run sort of came up with this. It's not like Steph Curry was along for the ride in 2017 and 2018. Steph Curry had really really good numbers. KD's numbers were a bit better, and he drained down those key threes in 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 back to back game threes in Cleveland. So I get it. I'm not disputing why Kevin Durant you know, sh- should have won the MVPs or did win the MVP, but I was never, this year, during this playoff run, I was never under the impression that Steph Curry was lacking that finals MVP. He's a great player. He's going to the Hall of Fame, but I guess that's the nature of the beast in each professional sport. The culture, the culture surrounding each professional sport differs and and in the nba the individual awards are just a little bit more important than in other leagues so congratulations to steph curry i mean i don't think anybody in the right mind would have suggested that anybody else should have won that nba finals mvp but for what it's worth at least that debate which i i thought was maybe a little bit annoying that's just because by my nature i don't put in that much stock into these individual awards but at least that debate is closed. Congratulations, Steph Curry. You earned it. You know, if you're Boston, it uh, just wasn't good enough. Just wasn't good enough. And it, it's interesting that it would be in game six on their home court with their backs against the wall that Boston would play, you know, their worst game 
of the entire playoff run. I feel their worst game of the entire playoff run. You know, what, what have we been saying whenever we've covered the Celtics uh, since the show started, which, lo and behold, was during this playoff run, which was a good playoff run. They still played game six of the finals, but, you know, they're a little bit better on the road than they were at home. For whatever reason, they can't seem to get it done that much at home. And last night was a home game, and if they didn't get it done, Jason Tatum, as the series evolved, it started to look like maybe, just maybe the moment was a little bit too big for, for, for him. And he wasn't particularly good last night, didn't shoot particularly well. And turnovers. 23 turnovers last night. That's completely insane. <laughs> 23 turnovers. The statistic was, what, if they do 15 or more, they hadn't won a game? 23 last night, and some of them were absolutely awful. It looks like they have butterfingers at times. So I I don't know how you fix that. That I'm a little bit worried about that. That might be something that dogs them going forward. I mean, they have to be a little bit more careful with their passes, obviously. And they make their shots laborious. It looked very labored last night. And it looked very labored uh, through most of these NBA finals. Uh, Whereas the the Golden State Warriors, because they have that free-flowing style basketball, yeah, sure, some of the shots are contested. But A, they have the shooters to still nail them. And B, not all of the shots are contested uh, because they find open open players, perimeter, jumpers, in the paint. doesn't really matter. They find their guys. They make their shots as easy as possible, whereas I simply did not get the impression that Boston could do that. Uh, Marcus Smart, for all his defensive prowess, and he is Defensive Player of the Year, congratulations to him, he's not a great facilitator, and it was particularly bad last night. And the role players... The, the role players did absolutely nothing. Peyton Pritchard, Derek White, uh, Grant Williams. You know, it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good enough. And you start to wonder, or I guess my question is, and I'm not going to make any sweeping statements here. That's not my style. But you do start to wonder at what point is... At what point do you start asking, is this the trifecta, the Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum trifecta, at what point do you start to just gently question, gently wonder, gently ponder, is this the trifecta with which the Celtics win that elusive championship that they haven't won in, by this point, 14 years? Um... You know, they made a couple Eastern Conference Finals appearances, and now they've made a Finals appearance. Uh, They typically, with the exception of 2021, they typically have a pretty good regular season at that. I don't think anybody in their right mind is going to argue that they're not a very good team. They're obviously a very good team. You can't, in a five-year span, five years being the the number of seasons uh, during which, uh, for which... uh, those that that trifecta that core group has been together has played together for Boston. You know you can't in five years you can't make two semifinals and a finals and be told you're not good. 
doesn't make any sense. And if anybody's saying that, don't listen to them. But the nature in which they get bounced out can be a little bit disappointing sometimes. Uh, they were clearly the second best team in the finals, and especially last night in Game 6. They were clearly the second best team in the Eastern Conference Finals two years ago in the bubble against Miami. Uh, 2018 against the Cavaliers was pretty good, but Game 7, you know, when push came to shove, it wasn't good enough, and they had a 3-2 series lead in that Eastern Conference Finals. Like, the way the way their seasons end is usually pretty disappointing, almost like the moment is a bit too big for them. They don't have, they don't quite have what it takes. Um, and, look, you don't blow up a team after a finals appearance. That's ridiculous i i get it and maybe certainly for uh the sake of the boston celtics fans the sake of that organization and for jason tatum's sake above all else hopefully this is a learning experience and for his sake he gets an opportunity and maybe one of these days he wins it uh that would be nice uh but certainly he he the the celtics and jason tatum in particular were were not very good in these finals and uh, absolutely deserve to finish in second. The beautiful city of Vancouver, British Columbia. The news was met with big cheers. Toronto. Toronto and Vancouver will host World Cup games in 2026 when Canada co-hosts the event alongside the United States and Mexico. Very quickly, obviously, the, the most exciting news, uh, what what uh, everybody in my neck of the woods was getting excited about was Game 6 of the NBA Finals, but the uh, there's, a, there's a World Cup coming, and I'm not referring to the one this November in Qatar. I'm referring to the one in Canada, United States, and Mexico in four years from now, 2026. Uh, the FIFA World Cup revealed the cities. Uh, it's, it's a unique... World Cup, or it's going to be a new unique World Cup, where it's the first time that three different countries host. Uh, there has been a World Cup where two countries hosted. Korea and Japan co-hosted the, the 2002 World Cup. It was one of, one of the first ones I watched. My, my first was France 98, but uh, the first one where I had a better grasp of what was going on was the 2002 one. So it's, so it's a... a no, we just talked about the trifecta in Boston. Here's a trifecta of World Cup hosts. Naturally, the United States have the most cities. Uh, makes sense. They have the most venues. Interesting that Atlanta and Kansas City will host some games. I kind of like the fact that there's a little bit of Midwest action there. I was telling someone on Facebook yesterday, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a big country with over 360 million people. I'm sure there's some soccer fans a little bit everywhere, so... So good for Atlanta and Kansas City that that Midwest section getting some love for the for the for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Naturally, I mean most of the games are on the coast and there's some games in in Texas, but but it's kind of nice that the Midwest got some three uh, cities in Mexico, Monterrey, Guadalajara and Mexico City, Ciudad de Mexico. Uh, Interesting choices. I think Mexico City was kind of an obvious one. Probably uh, uh, Guadalajara was as well. I'm not very familiar with Monterrey. It's not a city I'm very familiar with. But uh, congratulations to them. At least Mexico gets a, a trio of cities. I don't think anybody should be surprised that Canada is the country with the least amount of cities that will host games. 
little bit surprised that Edmonton didn't get it. Uh, they, the FIFA went with Vancouver and Toronto, which, I mean, to be fair, are slightly more popular cities, slightly more well-known cities, slightly more, um, slightly more metropolitan cities. Uh, but Edmonton has Commonwealth Stadium, where the Edmonton Elks play in the CFL. It's a 60,000-seater, natural grass. It's, it traditionally hosts big events. I remember way, way, way back when. I, I want to say 2007, there was an under-20 Men's World Cup, and I think most of the games, a lot of the big games, uh, were played at Commonwealth Stadium. So that's maybe a little bit surprising that that Edmonton didn't get uh, didn't get the nod, but congratulations to Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, both those cities have a little bit of work cut out for them. Uh, BMO needs more seats and natural grass. Uh, BC Place doesn't need more seats. It holds about fifty odd, maybe a little bit more uh, than fifty percent. Fifty percent. What am I saying? Fifty thousand seats, which is pretty good. But they have artificial turf, so BC Place needs natural grass. BMOs also needs natural grass, and they need to increase their uh, maximum seating capacity from 30,000 30, to 40,000. Um, going to be fun. Going to be fun. Uh, very accessible games, especially Toronto, considering where I live in Montreal, but a, an, an excuse to go see Vancouver as well. Um, we're probably looking at some group stage games. What I think might happen will be the Americans will probably host the final the semifinals, and the quarterfinals. There'll probably be two games in the U.S., one in Mexico and one in Canada. I'm, I'm sensing uh, Toronto. Um, but I don't, I, <laughs> I don't think Canada's getting a semifinal game <laughs> or, or the World Cup final. Don't think that's happening. But should be fun, and it was, uh, it was fun news uh, to learn yesterday. There you have it, another episode of A Win is a Win podcast. I've been your host, Edgar Chapu. The show can be found on anchor.fm, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And I can be found on Facebook. It's just my name, E-D-G-A-R, space C-H-A, P as in Paul, U-T. I'm on Twitter at double O-pop. Those are the words double underscore O-H underscore P-O-P. And Instagram at edchap14. Those are the letters E D C H A P and the numbers 1 4. Thanks for listening. We'll check you out next time. <laughs>